0: Hello and welcome to episode number 27 on the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. On this week's episode, we're going to look at the Canusa Classic happening next week. Results from Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. And look forward to some WD news along with the Evolution and Crown Jewel events. Whether you're joining me here on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, please make sure to subscribe and join us over on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling and Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We can be found on Twitter at Scumbags Canada and over on Instagram at Scumbags Wrestling. And if you happen to be around the London Comic-Con next weekend, come and join me in the Wrestling Zone and we can chat some wrestling and be a part of the Scumbags Wrestling podcast. I'll be right back after these messages with the news you need to know involving Smash Wrestling. Are you looking for your very own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt? Well, look no further than our own website at scumbags.ca. Right there, you can find the link to the Twisted Tees. Daryl will print you a great Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt. You can choose from either the original logo based on the Superstars Wrestling design, or our other logo based on the Raws War parody. Coming soon will be the podcast t-shirt based on the Survivor Series logo. All shirts cost $25, and if there's a large enough order, I will personally go to Allura and pick it up and save everybody the shipping and handling. We've already donated money towards Quirky Deaners, Giver for Charity, and I'm willing to do it again if we can do a uh, another large order. So contact me, and get your own t-shirt. you're listening to the scumbags podcast it's your boy aiden prince welcome fans to your smash wrestling report and this uh, episode last weekend was the big free show happening at the rec hall in toronto sadly i ended up missing the show but it looked like an amazing event that we're going to see coming up on future episodes of smash wrestling on the fight network The following is a statement that Smash Wrestling posted on their Facebook page as a thank you to all the fans who came out and supported them during their This Is Smash free show. Thank you to all the fans who came out and packed the rec room for standing room capacity and donated approximately $2,500 for the Smash Wrestling staff. We were touched by all your support and support of the locker room that donated their time to make this event happen. Tonight, we will be announcing a lot of stuff from the fallout of this event. So, below are the results of the show. John Greed defeated Kobe Durst, Ben Banks defeated Aiden Prince, Sebastian Suave defeated Joe Hendry, Dana Garcia then made Sebastian Suave tap out, and Suave challenged Garcia to a best-of-five series. Kevin Bennett reformed the Kevin Bennett experience with Halal Beefcake, and they took out the staff, referees, Big Tank, and Muscle. Halal Beefcake then defeated the well-oiled machines. Kevin Bennett won the Rec Room Rumble and earned a championship match in the future. The Buffalo Brothers defeated Killscreen and unmasked the other two members to reveal them to have been Mark Wheeler and Shane Saber. Anthony Gaines then struck Kevin Blackwood with a keyboard. Tarek retained his championship over Tyson Dukes. And the show ended with the Pillars, Kill Screen, Buffalo Brothers, and Kevin Bennett experience all fighting in the ring. As was mentioned, A lot of the activity that happened there will reflect some of the bookings that are coming up on future Smash Wrestling shows. The first of those events will happen on Saturday, November 17th at 7 p.m. in Montreal, Quebec at Bain Mathieu, part of Challenge Accepted, Smash Wrestling filming for the Fight Network. The first match in the Best of Five series with Daniel Garcia and Sebastian Suave will happen during this event. Also, the new combination for the Kevin Bennett experience with Kevin Bennett and Halal Beefcake will face Mike Rollins, Jody Threat, and Brad Alexis. Kevin Blackwood revealed Shane Sabre as a member of Scotty O'Shea's kill screen, and he will f- face off with Shane during Challenge accepted in Montreal. The other match that's currently booked for the card sees two parts of the pillars, Brent Banks and the current Smash Wrestling champion, Tarek, taking on the tag team champions of FLQ, TDT. Smash Wrestling has a history of putting an emphasis on on quality women's wrestling, and they believe that Montreal has a similar reputation. Along with FLQ, Smash Wrestling are excited to continue that tradition by putting two of the best female wrestlers from Quebec in the same ring together, as Lufisto will face Vanessa Craven one-on-one. And in the main event of the evening, Stu Grayson, one half of the Super Smash Brothers and current FLQ champion, will put his title on the line against Smash Wrestling's Tyson Dukes and FLQ's Handsome JF in triple threat action. Can the Pillars claim one more title to add to their impressive resume as they seem to be collecting belts all over Ontario and possibly coming soon in Quebec? More follow-up from the This is Smash Show also was announced for the December 2nd Control-Alt-Delete Smash event happening on Sunday, December 2nd from the London Music Hall. With Kevin Blackwood revealing the other two members of Killscreen as being Ontario's Shane Saber and Mark Wheeler before being attacked by Anthony Gaines with a keyboard, the main event for the December 2nd event will be one of Smash Wrestling's most dangerous matches, as Kevin Blackwood and Scotty O'Shea will face off in a keyboards match. This may be the most violent match they've ever had in London. Almost all the VIP tickets have been sold out, and more matches will be announced in the coming weeks. But remember, if you have a VIP ticket for Control Out Delete, December 2nd at the London Music Hall, you get reserved ringside seating, a collectible ticket, in-ring photo with Tyson Dukes and Violet Lee, a one-month free trial for Smash On Demand, and free entry to a VIP-exclusive raffle draw. Plus, new to the Smash Wrestling calendar, just announced this week, In Your Dreams, December 16th, coming to you from the Frank Horner Community Center in Toronto, Ontario. Tickets are on sale now. The first match announced is going to have PCO taking on Jimmy Havoc in a hardcore match for the first time ever. For tickets and more information on upcoming events, go to smash-wrestling.com. But remember, none of those uh, events will happen until next weekend When the Canusa Classic happens here in London, Ontario. Have you got your tickets yet for this year's Canusa Classic? Well, it's coming up next weekend, October 27th, during London Comic Con. It's the sixth annual event and it's the major. It's the sixth annual. It's the sixth annual Canusa Classic. And the first time that the classic has come out of the GTA, and it's happening right here in London, Ontario. You can get special VIP seats for the first four rows, but if you also have a ticket to the Comic Con itself, that entitles you to general admission to this great event. This year's card is stacked, top to bottom. You'll see Nevaeh representing Team USA taking on Team Canada's Jody Threat. Allison Kay represents the USA going against Canada's Cat Power. Jordan Grace, representing Team USA, faces former Team Canada captain Lou Fisto. Fresh off her recent appearance at the Mae Young Classic, Canada's Nicole Matthews takes on Jessica Havoc. Someone who's no stranger to the Canusa Classic. Xander Bale, represents Team Canada against the United States' undefeated at the Canusa Classic, Veda Scott. And in what could be listed as a double main event for the Canusa Classic, Impact Wrestling's knockout champion, Tessa Blanchard, represents Team USA against Canada's own Casey Tuscoot Spinelli. The second half of that double main event has the undead, Ride Sue Young representing Team USA, taking on Canada's own Allie. Plus, just announced yesterday, London's own Violet Lee has an incredible opportunity at the Canusa Classic as she'll be hosting an open challenge in the pre show. Who will answer this open challenge? You can meet the ladies of the Canusa Classic throughout the whole weekend as they'll be signing autographs in the wrestling zone. Get your tickets now and don't miss the great Canusa Classic coming to London Comic-Con during the weekend of October 26th, 27th, and 28th with the main show happening on October 27th. Doors open at 5 p.m. Matches start at 6 p.m. Don't miss it. It's the best day of your life because the realest guy in the room is coming to the fifth annual london comic-con meet wrestling superstar and rapper eric art formerly known as enzo amore now known as the real one appearing saturday and sunday the fifth annual london comic-con presented by start.ca happens this october 26th to 28th at the western fair agriplex it's a three-day celebration of art comics and pop culture with celebrity guests, vendors, and more Southwestern Ontario's largest fan event Come meet from Star Trek The Next Generation Marina Sirtis From Buffy the Vampire Slayer James Marsters Ted Raimi from Xena Warrior Princess The Yellow Peril Ranger Serena Vincent The Young Boba Fett from Star Wars Episode 2 Daniel Logan From They Live David Keith from They Live, Keith David Mr. McFreely from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood David Newell and former UFC star and WAF Intercontinental Champion Ken Shamrock plus more announcements still to come tickets are on sale now for tickets and more information go to LondonComicCon.ca. thanks to SuperPartners, M&T Printing, Lens Mill Stores Heroes Comics, Toboggan Brewing, Western Fair District, and Media Partners, London's Best Rock FM 96, Classic Rock, Free 98.1, and Fanatics. London Comic Con, October 26th to 28th. Be sure to join me during the London Comic-Con as I'll be in the Zone and hosting various podcasts throughout the weekend. If you stop by and say hi, we can chat some wrestling and you can be a part of our podcast that comes up on the following episode. Share with me your thoughts and predictions for the Canusa Classic, your thoughts on what's going on in WWE. And while you're there at Comic-Con, Enter the win, the signed Raw's war inspired Scumbag's wrestling t-shirt. It was signed by the stars of Smash Wrestling on April 29th. All money raised will help out with Cody Deaner's giver for charity. You can buy tickets three for five dollars or ten for ten. Hope to see you there at London Comic-Con 2018. All weekend, October 26th, 27th, and 28th. At the Western Fair Agriplex. And this just in. Alan Taylor and company seem to do it to me again. Just as I'm putting together a podcast to upload and present to you guys, I get a notification of a special announcement from Smash Wrestling. With Impact Wrestling moving on Pop TV to Thursday nights at 10 o'clock, Fight Network is doing the exact same thing. They're moving Impact Wrestling to Thursday nights at 10, which means... Smash Wrestling will be moving back to 8.30 as a lead-in to Impact on Fight, and you'll get to see all the stars of Smash Wrestling from 8.30 in the evening until 10 o'clock at night. They're now in prime time. Plus, don't forget, you can always catch Scott Hunter and The Muscle with The Hangover every Wednesday at 9 o'clock on Facebook Live. Yo, this is Tarek, listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. This past weekend was Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory pay-per-view happening from New York City. Remarkably, last week when I did my predictions, I believe I got all six of the actual matches correct. The event started off with Willie Mack and Rich Swann taking on Ethan Page and Matt Seidel. It was a nice, fun way to start off the pay-per-view with then Rich Swan and Willie Mac picking up the victory. They then hyped up the crowd and even presented two seats courtesy of their sponsors Comda.com with upgrade to the front row for the loudest fans. They chose a couple fans and moved them up to the front. Not sure if this is the sort of thing you want to see actually on your pay-per-view. This could have been done uh, while the backstage segment was done or something. It just seemed really odd to be doing on a actual pay-per-view. Up next was Eli Drake's open challenge for anybody from New York to step up and face him. With it being that early in the evening, there was no way that it was going to be wasted on somebody like Chris Jericho or even Bully Ray showing up to face off with Eli Drake. So instead, we got, as expected, somewhat of a comedy segment, where James Ellsworth, of all people, who doesn't even live in New York, came out and accepted the challenge. When questioned about the fact that he didn't live in New York, he happened to mention that he had a girlfriend at one time, well, at least hung out with a girl, and lived in her basement, and she was from Stanton Island. So that was close enough for him, and that's why he was there to accept the challenge. Eli Drake ended up slapping around Ellsworth and picked up the quick victory. Then Eli got on the microphone and said that he wanted some actual competition, somebody of Hall of Fame status. And of course, saying Hall of Fame regardless of it being from New York or not, out came the newest TNA, Impact Wrestling, shall we say, Hall of Famer, Abyss. Abyss hit a black hole slam, then got a table out from under the ring. Drake blocked a choke slam attempt and went to the, the second rope to attempt to put Abyss through the table. But as he jumped, he got caught and was sent crashing through the table with a chokeslam. Abyss celebrated with the fans, and that was the end of the Eli Drake Challenge. The third match of the night saw the Knockouts Championship defended as current champion Tessa Blanchard defending against Taya Valkyrie. I haven't really seen much of Taya before. All I know is she came from Lucha Underground and married to John Morrison and was also trained by Lance Storm, but... I haven't really actually seen her in ring until this match. I must say she was pretty decent. And, of course, Tessa always puts up a great fight and can carry people in her matches, even though she hasn't been around as long as a lot of other women. She's definitely the uh, star knockout in the division right now. And sure enough, she ended up uh, retaining her Knockout Swimming Championship. Eddie Edwards took on his former best friend, Moose, in a 1-1 match, but then the match got thrown out and was declared a no contest due to outside interference by Killer Cross. Tommy Dreamer came to save Eddie, and Dreamer challenged the heels to make it a tag team match. So in this Tornado tag team match with A lot of hardcore elements, including, obviously, a kendo stick. Kenny, the kendo stick. Eddie rolled Moose up for the victory. Moose and Cross then destroyed Edwards on the outside. This match just seemed like a way of getting Tommy Dreamer somehow out there and involved. Because with the ending of still Edwards defeating Moose, it didn't protect Moose at all and kind of made it useless to have Cross and Dreamer out there, except for to add with the melee and violence that those four could do. But when the original matchup of Edwards and Moose are involved with the actual ending of the match, it didn't do any justice having the other two put into it. Continuing with Sammy Callahan and Pentagon's feud, this time they added more people as OVE teamed up with Callahan to face off against Pentagon, Phoenix, and the X-Division champion, Brian Cage. This match, as expected, was... A brawl between all six men and went all over the ringside area. Not that there was too much ringside area to be dealt with, but Brian Cage is definitely one heck of a beast and just loved tossing people around. The ending came when Cage wouldn't go down to a couple of super kicks, and then OVE and Callahan dealt at least 13 super kicks to Brian Cage, followed by a paw driver to get the uh, win for Callahan and OVE. Hopefully this spells the end of everything going on with Pentagon and Sammy Callahan, and Callahan can move forward, maybe even to a main event spot and be considered a number one contender for the Impact Wrestling Championship. In a concrete jungle match, they ended up removing all the turnbuckle pads. They removed the one-inch foam pad that is between the boards and the canvas, plus the canvas from the ring. And it was a handicap match, two on three, as Conan had been taken out earlier in the night. So LAX had to go against the OGs three on two. I really don't know who came up with this ingenious plan of taking off the ring apron and the foam padding because the exposed wood uh, planks that were there were all loose and made it almost impossible to see these guys wrestle on them, let alone slam each other on them. They were coming out of place. The referee was trying to get them back sitting down. Tables were involved and finally actually recovered, came out with possibly a sock that had a cue ball in it and whacked uh, the members of the OGs before his guys recovered and ended up getting the victory over the OGs. So, because they needed time to put the ring back together for the main event, it was time for Ali to take a venture into the undead realm, and Allie met up with James Mitchell, as he promised, who opened up the coffin and allowed Allie to go into the realm. He warned her, though, had she had seen her soul, which he had sold to him, to just keep walking by, because her only thing that she was there to do was rescue her friend Kira Hogan. They obviously took a lot of inspiration from Matt Hardy and his broken universe, along with probably some uh, Lucha Underground uh, aspects with how they film everything and make it try to look like a movie. Allie had been told that Kira was up above in the chapel area, and she had to make her way all the way through the building to get to where Kira was resting in a coffin. So Allie went in, armed with a hatchet, and made her way through the Undead Realm, where she was attacked by a few different bridesmaids, which she ended up disposing of, including some uh, blood splattering onto the uh, camera, and even onto Allie. When Allie finally made it to the chapel area where Kira was resting, she was attacked by Sue young and the two fought back and forth Sue even got out a uh, larger axe and they battled and it wasn't until ally ended up hitting Sue young in the neck with a hatchet that she was able to finally get access to her friend kira hogan ally quickly rushed kira and made their way back to the coffin to get back to the real world Unfortunately, when they arrived at the coffin, they couldn't get out as James Mitchell had warned her since she didn't really read any fine print and sign anything and agreed to do whatever he said just so she could get in there. He decided that they could get in, but there was no way they were getting out. The undead brides and Sue Young recovered and then came down to attack Allie and Kira Hogan. While trying to protect themselves and also get into the coffin to get back to the real world, they were rescued by the return of Rosemary. Rosemary returned to save her demon bunny friend, and Allie and Kira went into the casket and escaped back to the real world, as Rosemary fended off Sue Young and the other bridesmaids, with some lot of sparks flying and lightning going, and Allie wanted to go back and save her friend Rosemary, but that's where it ended, with a little cliffhanger. Will Allie make it back to save Rosemary or not? Though I must say, it was a good thing that Soo Young didn't die after getting a hatchet to the neck. Or Smash Wrestling might have had to find a replacement for the Canusa Classic next weekend, as Ali and Soo Young are actually going to be in the ring this time against each other. It was now time for the main event of the evening for the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship, as Austin Aries, the current champ, defended against. Johnny Impact. There'd been a lot of back and forth Twitter banter. TMZ got involved at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Austin Aries addressed what was going on and nearly started a brawl between him and Impact that had to be broken up as part of the Hall of Fame, which kind of put a black eye on the event. Aries laid it all on the table, and he said that he'll even have Moose and Cross by his side if Taya would come down with Johnny Impact. They all agreed, and everybody was at ringside for this event. Impact used a lot of his parkour arsenal, and both men viciously fought back and forth for the prestigious title. It wasn't until the ending when Austin ended up hitting Taya on the outside. Accidentally, of course, but he didn't care either way. And but this infuriated Impact, and he quickly went after Ares, got him back in the ring, hit Starship Pain, and ended up winning the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship. Unfortunately, at the same time, there's some controversy which may or may not be purposely done because this is Impact, and they want to try and get as many uh, eyes on the product as possible. But Aries didn't end up selling the finisher. He took the pinfall, got up quickly, pointed over at Don Callis and Josh Matthews, yelled up to the balcony at them, left the ringside area, flipped everybody off, and then left. Reports later on indicated that apparently his contract with Impact is up and he was not at the recent tapings. This seems kind of odd that they would do something like this if it was scripted and eventually Ares comes back. But if it's real, it's a lot out of Ares unlike his character in real life because he's usually very professional. So if it was a legit shoot, something major must have happened uh, for him to do something like that, or Impact got what they wanted and have people talking about, is this real? Isn't it real? Who knows? Well, I guess we'll see down the line because for the next little while, Ares is going to be gone since he was not on the tapings. This could be a time away for him, and then he'll come back Maybe in time for uh, January when they uh, return to Memphis for homecoming. Overall, I thought this event was decent. The wrestling was okay. Storylines worked. I really don't think it matched the momentum that they got from Slammiversary. Um, And... As I think I said in my preview last week, having the same three matches sort of from Slammiversary, just adding some extra people in it really didn't intrigue me as much as maybe they were hoping because, you know, we had Pentagon and Callahan. Now that turned into a six-man tag, but it was still a hardcore match. It was the LAX versus the OGs, in a hardcore match the last time and now it was a six-man tag version of the same match just taking off canvas and everything and looking really messy and then of course Eddie Edwards and Tommy Dreamer teaming up this time instead of going against each other to go against Moose and Cross it was the same matches it was three hardcore matches in a row and I don't think they even reached the same violence that they had at Slammiversary, which is what got them the spark to begin with. So with that said, the best matches I thought were the world title match and the uh, women's knockouts title match. Can only imagine what's going to happen in the future over the next coming weeks with some uh, TV tapings and what happens going into homecoming their next pay-per-view offering. I would give this pay-per-view probably maybe a three and a half out of five. They didn't intrigue me as much, as I said, as Slammiversary did, and it may or may not have helped their momentum going forward. Coming up tomorrow night is the continued revival of the NWA, As started with the 10 Pounds of Gold segments on YouTube in celebration of the 70th anniversary of the NWA, Billy Corrigan is presenting a special pay-per-view in honor of this milestone. The main event for the evening will be a rematch from the all-in pay-per-view as Nick Aldis tries to reclaim the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against Cody Rhodes in a best 203 Falls match. The NWA also revealed a new North American championship that looks like the map of the United States as the faceplate of this new title. There will be an eight-man mini-tournament to declare the winner of this new title. In Group A, Willie Mack will face Jay Bradley, Mike Parrow, and Ricky Starks. The winner of that... Four Way will meet the winner of Sam Shaw, Colt Cabana, Scorpio Sky, and Sammy Gervais. Also on the card is Tim Storm vs. Pretty Peter Avalon and the NWA Women's Champion Jazz defends against Penelope Ford. Crimson and Jax Dane with Road Warrior Animal will have an open challenge. Laredo Kid vs. Barrett Brown and former NWA champions Jeff Jarrett, Blue Demon Jr., Tim Storm, and Dory Funk Jr. will all be at in attendance for this event. The NWA 70th Anniversary Show takes place this coming Sunday, October 21st, in Nashville, Tennessee, and can be streamed live from the Fight TV app. SE SC Scoops is reporting rumors that Chris Jericho and Jim Ross are working with billionaire family, the Khan family, of Jacksonville Jaguars ownership to start their own promotion. Jericho has denied these rumors in a recent tweet on Twitter. However, Jim Ross has been coy about something happening in the future with no details being given. If this does come to fruition, could this uh, be where the Bullet Club members of Cody Young Bucks, Hangman Page and Marty Skrull and Kenny Omega end up going once their contracts end with New Japan in January. Famous lawyer Barry Bloom has also been involved with the rumors of this deal happening, along with Access TV as being the possible home for this new show. Timeline for this coming together could be between 12 and 16 months, however, with not knowing what's going to happen. Also on Being the Elite... Cody, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega have been teasing going to WWE with messages being sent to Kenny Omega saying that if he's not happy, he could show up and be number four in the Rumble and various other notes that were being passed to him under his hotel room door. Are all these just swerves by being the elite to make us think that they're coming to WWE and going somewhere else? Planning their own organization just like they had with All In and saw the success that could happen with that? Only time will tell. Cody Rhodes also seems to be looking to start his own wrestlers' union as he's put out some tweets wondering about how everybody needs to stay together, especially with different promoters not being so trustworthy or reliable. Speaking of Chris Jericho, next Saturday, October 27th, is the Chris Jericho Cruise, going from Miami to Nassau, Bahamas. It'll be on Norwegian Jade, a ship I actually was on five years ago for my honeymoon. You'll see the Sea of Honor tournament from ROH. Impact versus ROH match has been announced as Sammy Callahan takes on Marty Skrull and LAX against the Young Bucks, plus many more matches. A one-time only match of the Alpha Club versus the Bullet Club, the Bucks of Jericho, Matt and Nick Jackson, and Chris Jericho, Dick on Kenny Omega, Cody, and Marty Skrull. Plus special appearances by DDP, Mick Foley, Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, James Ellsworth, Pat Patterson, Raven, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Noel Foley, and many more. There'll be comedy, music, and of course, Wrestling, all in the Chris Jericho cruise happening next weekend, Saturday, October twenty seventh to the thirty first. Proud to announce Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Ranger at Sea, leaving from Miami, Florida, October twenty seventh to October thirty first, two thousand and eighteen. Wrestling, rock and roll, comedy. Oh, the open sea, the open ocean, kind of like this one. Going to a beach, kind of like this one. It's going to be one of the greatest times of your life, guaranteed. I want you to join us. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and find out how you can have the vacation of a lifetime, the party of a lifetime. It's the cruise of Jericho. Sail away, man! we'll see you then. Oh, yeah! Want to be a wrestler? The time is now to join the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The first class is going to graduate in October, and it's going to leave a lot of open space. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers and trainers around. Tyson has been wrestling since 1997 and has wrestled for Blood, Sweat, and Years, Border City Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE, was part of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and one of the longest reigning champions for Smash Wrestling. Tyson just recently spent a week in Florida as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory is located at 309 Exeter Road in London, Ontario and is open every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening from 6 p.m. to 8.30. Find out why Tyson is one of the pillars of smash wrestling. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. Hey, wrestling fans and scumbags. It's time to support Cody Diener and his Giver for Charity event. October is National Bully Prevention Month, and he's been partnered with Fear the Fighter and sold their merchandise for proceeds going to their campaign to put bully kids in self-defense classes. He's personally going to these kids as he's heard stories from their parents and going to help them fight back. We here at the Scumbags Wrestling always enjoy helping out Cody whenever we can, and this month is no different. We're going to be selling the raffle tickets again for the shirt that was autographed at the April 29th Smash Wrestling event at the London Music Hall. It was signed by all the talent that were on hand, and we're going to raffle that off and do the draw on October 28th at the end of London Comic Con. Tickets are just for $5 or 10 for $10 and you can uh, reach out to me at the Scumbags Wrestling website at scumbags.ca over on our Facebook page or email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com all tickets sold and 100% of the proceeds are going to go to Cody Diener as Giver for Charity event let's help National Bully Prevention Month and get these kids the help they need. I'm sure all of us at one point or another have been bullied or know somebody who has been. So get your tickets today and support Cody Diener and this great cause. In WWE news, still the biggest wrestling News for WD deputy is concerning the happenings for Crown Jewel on November 2nd, reportedly still from Saudi Arabia. Saudi government just recently admitted that Washington Journal reporter Jamal Khashoggi had indeed been murdered after entering the Saudi consulate after a fight. And 18 suspects were taken into custody and top officials had been fired. The new question is where does this new information put the deputy in their huge contract with the Saudi government? They said that they were monitoring the situation. They also seemed to ignore and avoid mentioning Saudi Arabia when they made mention of the Crown Jewel event. Fans still booed when Crown Jewel was talked about. I wonder if uh, that was due to allowing them a chance to come up with another plan, since they said they were monitoring what was going on, and if they need to actually pull out of the event and find some sort of moral clause to move forward and go somewhere else, they now have footage still that they can promote Crown Jewel without having to edit out where it's located, and they can continue with their original plans for the event, especially with the three-way match for the Universal title, the Legends Tag Team match with DX and the Brothers of Destruction, and the World Title match with AJ and Dan O'Brien, not to mention the U.S. Cup, World Cup uh, tournament they're going to do. Maybe by Monday they will have something more to announce and a direction of what they're actually going to do. However, as day before, it's very difficult to pull out of something that's worth so much money. Where do you stand on this whole thing involving the Saudi Arabia government, the journalist who was murdered, and deputy? Because while well, there's some uh, stars who are uncomfortable with the fact that they're going there, and probably should have a right to say no, they don't want to go since they are independent contractors and WD find the people who do want to go and feel that they're going to be safe. JBL was recently on a uh, Fox news show and was asked about it. And he felt that WD still needs to go. If they're going to continue to create change, then abandoning this uh, deal and not being there for the people of Saudi Arabia is not going to help with that change. And Randy Orton also has said that they need to continue with the event to invoke change in the, the Saudi culture. That's the same thing that Triple H said back in time for the greatest Royal Rumble. It seems to be an ongoing, maybe corporate uh, response that they want to be there to create change for the Saudi government and the people of the country. So join us over on our Facebook page and share how you feel about this. Should they be doing it? Shouldn't they be doing it? What would you do if it was you who had to go? In other WDE news, Kevin Owens had his uh, surgery on his knees and needed both knees to be taken care of. One was worse than the other, and there's still no definitive date for his return some have said four months some have said up to eight months and now with it being both knees who knows how long rehab will end up taking and as for the mixed match challenge Bobby Roode has now been replaced as Natalia's tag team partner Charlotte Flair is now being sued by her ex-husband Ricky Paul Johnson for five million dollars He's taking exception to the stories that were told about him in the joint book by Charlotte and Rick called Second Nature. In the book, he was accused of domestic abuse physically and psychologically. He's denied all this as there is apparently court documents and police car video footage of what was reported or stated in the book compared to what might or may not have actually happened. So, in turn, he's suing for $5 million for defamation of character. WWE announced at this latest set of tapings for NXT that the newest signees include Matt Riddle, who we knew about, Mia Yim, who fans cheered for at the end of her match at the Mae Young Classic this past week, and she was given an NXT contract, along with Chelsea Green, formerly known as Laura Van Ness, and Punishment Martinez of ROH, along with three other international talents. Matt Riddle and Mia Yim were actually on the recent tapings of NXT done this week. As reported by Dave Meltzer, Fox has requested WD to tone down on the comedy of SmackDown Live when it moves to their network next year. They said that they want the comedy taken out and be focused more on sports and action as they want Smackdown to be a part of their sports package that is going to be on their network between Thursday and Sunday. And this will allow the NFL team during their shows to promote Smackdown instead of it being just a episodic TV show be looked at more as a sporting event. We'll have to see what actually happens when they do move over to the Fox network and what changes will happen to SmackDown to reflect this possible request by Fox. Highlights from this week's TV shows on WWE include Raw, with the show basically dominated by The Shield and Dogs of War. Seth Rollins beat Drew McIntyre by countout to be a member of the World Cup tournament. Dolph Ziggler beat Dean Ambrose to enter the World Cup as the final representative of RAW. From there, all six then fought again in a six-man tag team match where they had teased a lot of tension between the Shield going into the match and turned out to be the Dogs of War who had the most heat on each other as Braun Strowman was ordering Dolph Ziggler not to screw up again. Yet, yes, again, Dolph Ziggler took the pin and Drew McIntyre had accidentally hit a claymore kick during the match on Braun Strowman, but when everything was all said and done, Braun Strowman turned on Dolph Sigler, hitting him with a power slam, but only to turn around and get hit with another claymore from Drew McIntyre, this time purposely sent to him. Sasha Banks ended up returning and teamed with Bailey and Natalya to take on the Riot Squad. And one of the other highlights included the interview segment, or showdown segment, shall I say, with Miranda Rousey and the Bella Twins. The Bellas boasted about being the divas and making the word diva sound prestigious. And that obviously continues to put them in a heel position where the word diva, especially related to wrestling in ring action, is sort of a dirty word now that they want to have the evolution of the woman and being women's titles, no longer divas titles. Rhonda boasted that she had broken down doors in everything that she's ever done and then zinged Nikki with the ultimate, the only door you ever knocked down, Nikki, was the door to John Cena's bedroom and he tossed you right out of it. Some people on social media and in other podcasts I've listened to have questioned why WD would go this route of somewhat slut-shaming Nikki Bella after all the things that they've done to build up the women as being legitimate talent as opposed to leeching off the men that have preceded them, or in this case, as the Bellas, in the men that they had relationships with. I think it works just fine as it's not necessarily slut-shaming Nikki. It's more putting that division between women wrestlers such as Ronda Rosie and Charlotte and Becky, Sasha, the four horsewomen of uh, WWE and all the other women who want to actually wrestle as opposed to the Divas era of Nikki and Brie Bella along with everybody who came before them, where there was bra and panties matches. It definitely puts that line between the two eras and does what WWE wants to do and tries to legitimize the way the women are dealt with now. And if they're going to try and have the Bellas as heels, you got to kind of diminish them to where, well, a lot of us pretty much think that they are useless divas who should not be in the ring. Overall, it was a pretty good segment and got the point across. And if it did anything to help spike some sales for Evolution coming up on October 28th, then it was a really good uh, promotion. Over on SmackDown, it was the thousandth episode that was highly hyped up and anticipated, which actually did beat Raw in the ratings war. Maybe it was because of the hype? Who knows? The show started off with the return of Truth TV, and Truth made it seem as though they've been on for years, and Carmella gave him a sad realization that they got cancelled after one episode, even though, I guess, they got brought back for this week's episode as maybe a nostalgia act. And so then Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, and Vince were all part of that first segment, which ended in a dance break. There was a good uh, tag team match with AJ Styles and Dana Bryan teaming up against the Usos. Of course, in typical WWE fashion, there was some miscommunication between the champion and challenger for the upcoming match, and the Usos were able to win. There was a ton of cameos of former general managers, and then Evolution came out for their first time ever on SmackDown, which kind of was weird, even though, of course, they were in Dave Batista's hometown. So might have explained why they were doing it. But other than that, there was no real need for Evolution of Ric Flair, Triple H, Randy Orton, and Batista because they were a raw faction, even though also... Triple H, Randy, and Batista had singles runs while on SmackDown. The four guys joked around a bit. There was references to Ric Flair keeping his penis in his pants. And the highlight of it basically came when Batista got his chance to speak, and he praised everything that Triple H has done and how he's done everything and there is to do in wrestling. Except beat Batista. That gave a little bit of a tense moment. They looked at each other, stared at each other down, and sort of sowed the seeds for a potential dream match that Batista has wanted for a long time to go against Triple H in one final run. There was a very quick match with The Miz and Rusev to determine another entrant into the uh, Crown Jewel World Cup tournament, and that ended quickly with an interference from in English, allowing the Miz to get the victory and advance to the tournament. Edge did a uh, return of the Cutting Edge, and he said he wanted to come out and do what is totally different from what everybody knew Edge to be, and he wanted to be the peacekeeper for Becky and Charlotte, and he invited Becky out. He warned her not to get bitter and burn bridges to the point where she ends up hating herself, and she replied that she doesn't hate herself, that she actually loves herself, and then dismissed Edge from the ring and warned him not to hurt his neck as he got out. Charlotte was there, they had a stare down, they brawled, and there was a need to pull the two ladies apart. The bar took on New Day in a rematch from Super Showdown, and... Jerry King Lawler and Booker T were at ringside doing the commentary for this one. The match started off. There was the commentary table with the pancakes. And Big Show ended up coming out and slamming Kofi through the table, marking his 1,000th heel turn on the 1,000th episode of SmackDown. Sheamus hit a brogue kick to Big E and got the pin and the bar are once again tag team champions, I believe now for the fifth time. Big Show and the bar all stood in the center ring, holding each other's arms up in victory. Rey Mysterio took on US champion Shinsuke Nakamura in a match that didn't seem to click too well with each other, probably because it was their first time facing each other uh, in the ring, but in the end... Ray Mysterio hit 619, dropped the dime, and he is now part of the WWE World Cup at Crown Jewel as the eighth and final member of what now doesn't seem like a World Cup as all eight participants for it are American. So instead of being a World Cup, they should just change it to a U.S. Cup. The Undertaker ended the show with a very long entrance and only a very short speech, warning DX that at Crown Jewel, they will rest in peace. And so that was the 1,000th episode of SmackDown, marking it as the second longest-running television show in television history, right behind Monday Night Raw. Wednesday was a big day for WWE, as they officially launched the NXT UK uh, show, that debuted on the network. It airs at 8 p.m. in the U.K., which is about 3 p.m. here in Ontario, and always, always available on demand on WWE WD network. It started off with Joe Coffey versus Mark Andrews. Mustache Mountain had a uh, talk with the fans and boasted about the ta- uh, upcoming tag team titles, which were later on revealed. Dave Massive had a squash with Sid Scala, Tony Storm faced off against Nina Samuels and in a really great main event with Johnny Saint at ringside Noam Dar challenged Pete Dunne for the UK championship unfortunately he came up short but Pete Dunne in a really great match still is your UK NXT champion over on 205 Live Akira Tozawa and Ju Gulak ended in a no contest with interference from Jack Gallagher and Brian Kendrick. Tony East won a five way match to become a number one contender with a victory over Cedric Alexander, TJP, Graham Dalik, and Leo Rush. Over on NXT, the War Raiders defeated Undisputed Era by disqualification when Bobby Fish returned and laid out the War Raiders with chair shots. Bobby Fish has obviously been cleared for wrestling and he'll team with the rest of Undisputed Era to take on the War Raiders, Ricochet, and Pete Dunn in this year's War Games next month in Los Angeles. Shannon Baszler beat Britt Baker by ref stoppage Ollie Larkin and Danny Burch defeated Tian Bang and Rocky in tag team action, and Alistair Black interrupted the match between Nikki Cross and Bianca Belair as he was looking for the answers that Nikki Cross seemed to have of who took him out. Nikki ended up crawling across the ring and whispered in his ear the person who took him out of the action. When will we find out what happened? Who knows, but bound to be soon, as the latest episodes were taped just this past week in Orlando. And finally, with the Mae Young Classic, the semifinals are now set with Miko Satamara, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, and Tony Storm all advancing to the semifinals, with the finals happening at Evolution. Storm beat Mia Yim, and Mia got the same chant as Cedric Alexander did at the CWC, and she earned herself an NXT contract from Triple H. Ripley won her match by stoppage when Tegan Knox suffered a huge knee injury that tore almost everything that's inside her knee, and she had to have surgery. Next week, we'll find out who's moving on to the finals and going to Evolution. Next Sunday, October 28th, live from the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, In Uniondale, New York, comes the first ever all-women's WWE pay-per-view on the WWE Network Evolution. Over 50 women from the past, present, and future will take part in this event. Currently, there are seven matches announced, with room for a couple more to be announced during this week's Raw or SmackDown events. Already scheduled is the return of two of the best legends, as Lita and Trish, the besties, team up to face Alexa Bliss, and mickey james in tag team action a women's battle royal for a future title match on is on the line and he'll feature a mixture of old and new currently scheduled are alicia fox alundra blaze oscar billy Kay, carmella dana brooke amber moon ivory kelly kelly lana mandy rose maria Kanellis, michelle mccool molly holly Naomi, Nia Jax, Peyton Royce, Sonny Deville, Tamina, Tori Wilson, and probably more to be added in the next week, representing NXT, both US and UK. Bit of a spoiler here, but the May Young Classic Finals will happen as Io Shirai takes on Tony Storm. Rhea Ripley defends the NXT UK title against Eyelid on. Carrie Zane faces Shayna Baszler for the NXT title in a rematch from the Mae Young Classic finals of last year. In the first ever Last Woman Standing match, Becky Lynch defends the SmackDown Women's title against Charlotte Flair. And the main event will pit Ronda Rousey against Nikki Bella with her sister by her side for the Raw Women's title. After what we saw on Raw this past week, I expect to see a six women's tag team match involving Natalia, Bailey, and Sasha taking on the Riot Squad. Once again, all this happens next Sunday, October 28th, on the WDE Network. I'll have my predictions going on during London Comic Con. Barring any changes to the schedule due to political uproar, the WDE is set to present crown jewel on november 2nd from saudi arabia this week on ron smackdown they completed the entrance for the tournament with all eight men actually being from the united states as opposed to being a world cup tournament to decide the best in the world joining the field of eight representing raw is kurt angle Representing the Raw side of things is John Cena, Kurt Angle, Seth Rollins, and Dolph Ziggler. Over on SmackDown, they're represented by Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, The Miz, and the returning Rey Mysterio Jr. All this will happen as part of the tournament, and then in between those matches and rounds will be the other matches that have been announced, including the return of Shawn Michaels as he teams with Triple H and reforms DX to take on the Brothers of Destruction as part of the follow-up from WD Super Show in Australia. Also, thanks to results of Super Show, Dan O'Brien will challenge AJ Styles for the WD Championship. Plus, the main event will be for the Universal title, Roman Reigns defending against Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman with Brock getting his rematch and Brun getting his somewhat rematch from the interference that happened at SummerSlam. More announcements could be made in the coming weeks as political uproar is bound to have an effect on what WWE does, unless they stay with what their deal is and go with the money and not break their contract with the Saudi government. Only time will tell, But there's still a few weeks between now and November 2nd, or just under two weeks, shall I say. And things could change quickly. Thank you for joining me this week on the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow when I post a time warp throwback to the first Canusa Classic of 2013. I'll review everything that happened and give my opinions on what went on, along with a preview, once again, of the Canusa Classic, happening next week. So once again, thank you for joining me. Be sure to subscribe, whether you're listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or Stitcher. And check us out over on Twitter at Scumbags Canada, over on Twitch, Instagram, and our pages over on on Facebook, the Scumbags Wrestling and the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We look forward to seeing you at Comic-Con next weekend. Thanks again to Kill Effect for providing our soundtrack to our opening and closing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.